Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, I am Shavana Johnson, CEO and founder of All About Us Global Media Productions Group, TV, radio, and magazine. CEO of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation, Incorporated. We are a 501c3 organization on a mission to educate, engage, and mentor our parents and teens in communities on current issues surrounding our youth. Today, we are asking for your support to continue providing our informative programming through our various media platforms. To make a donation, visit the Whitney E. Johnson site at www.wejfoundation.org or you can reach us at 631-521-7699 for more information. And as a reminder, all donations given are tax deductible. On behalf of the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation, we thank you for listening and your support. Dr. Renee Charles, I'm a neuro coach, a mind and brain ambassador, and author of the new book release, Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change System Model, which leverages neuroscience and spirituality for trauma healing, deliverance, and recovery. I want to welcome you to my new show, Real Talk with Dr. Renee, where we'll have an authentic dialogue about all things related to the mind, body, and brain connection. During our time together, we'll talk about how to maximize brain potential in your personal and corporate space, develop new mental maps and success strategies to overcome traumas and other life challenges we face every day. I do look forward to talking with you and taking your calls and answering some of the questions as we do life together live on this show. Listen, you may be on the road driving home, sitting at your computer, or on your way to the gym when Real Brain Talk airs. I want you to pace yourself and get in position to optimize your brain. Join me on All About Us Radio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And follow me on my social media outlets. At Twitter, it's at Dr. Renee Charles. Instagram is Dr. Dr. underscore Renee underscore Charles. And Facebook is simply at Dr. Dr. R.D.C. Ph.D. You are listening to All About Us Radio. And 
many, many um, people. Hello. Um, okay, so I think that we've, we've taken care of that background noise. And um, hello once again, and welcome to the live broadcast of Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. Greetings to my return visitors and my first-time visitors to the show. You know, at Real Brain Talk um, with Dr. Renee, we engage in a dialogue about all things related to the body, mind, and brain connection. This month of April is celebrated as Minority Health Month. And so this year, minority communities are facing the consequences of healthcare disparities during a very, very well-known pandemic that we are dealing with, which is called COVID-19 pandemic. You know, during this show, it's my intention to add value to those who will in turn Share the information and add values to others through the exchange of information that you hear today. Um, this information can be empowering, revelatory, and very transformative. So, again, today's conversation is on health disparities and the impact of COVID-19 on communities of color. I am very intimately familiar with the topic of health disparities. It was the basis of my doctoral dissertation entitled Slave Narratives, Confession, Inhibition, and Resiliency, Implications for Prevention and Policy. I attempt to, made an attempt to answer the research question, what would account for the longevity of life um, between blacks and whites um, when individuals who were enslaved living as property of another uh, in the 20th century, the average age was 85 with one out of 10 being 100, what would account for such poor health in the 21st century? And so that was one of my research questions. If you're interested in learning more about my research, you can go on my website, drreneechalls.com, and scroll down under my profile to learn more about the research. So before we get deep into the topic of health disparities and the intersect of COVID-19, we're going to take a, a music station break to listen to a song that I believe will set the tone for our continued conversation today. It's a song by Marvin Gaye, and it's called What's Going On? I'll be right back.
effect by health disparities. So according to Human Resources and Service Administration, this is what a health disparities looks like. Health disparities is a population-specific difference in the presence of disease, health outcomes, or access to care. That means that the differences is only indexed by population, by groups of individuals, indexed by race and ethnicity. To really understand thoroughly the racial and ethnic health disparities, we must look at the social context of health inequity or inequality. So what does social context mean? It means demographics, your social economic status, the macroeconomics, and the social political features of an environment. This is the social context. Those indices actually influences the epidemiology and consequences of individual behavior that affects health outcomes. Again, the social political features, the social economic status, the macroeconomic component affects the environment. So health disparities reflects the social economic disparities, disparities in risk factors associated with health, the degradation of the environment along with the direct and indirect product of bias and prejudice. Clearly, health disparities has been associated with directly through proven outcome studies with race and ethnicity. So let's start with health inequities. What does that actually mean? Well, health inequities are rooted in social injustices that make some populations, as black population or groups, black and brown, more vulnerable to poor health than other groups. So one group has a better environment as opposed to another group who have a poorer environment, which makes the, the group with the poorer environment have poorer health outcomes. Now, this is, the difference is unnecessary, it's avoidable, it's unjust and unfair. The inequities has to do with racism bias, segregation, prejudice. There's nothing new under the sun. This has always existed. So gaps in longevity among African-Americans and Caucasians in the United States have existed since the period of slavery. And therefore, we cannot have a conversation about health disparities in the isolation from the history of slavery, racism, and legal segregation. African-Americans are disproportionately dying due to at-risk factors, which are called health determinants, and we bear the brunt of the coronavirus in the United States. It has been more than 140 years since the passing of the 13th Amendment of the United States that has officially eradicated slavery, 
along with its instinctive or unintentional servitude. But little has changed with regards to the impact of racism and prejudice on health disparities. Although the amendment concentrated on abolishing slavery as well as involuntary servitude, it did not abolish racism and discrimination of African Americans, which is still present in one form or the other. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has informed us that people with particular underlying conditions, such as diabetes, hypertension, COPD, congestive um, heart failure, coronary artery disease, have increased risk of progression or death from COVID-19. That puts you at risk. So health parities, we spoke about health inequities. I'm going to speak to you now about health disparities are the results of differences in rates of access to care, the utilization of health care, and the burden of disease and prescription of health care services. So specific health behaviors and other adverse health conditions that exist among special populations or specific populations and groups that occur within the context of a broader historical, contemporary, social, and economic inequality within the United States. So our health behaviors and our health beliefs do contribute to the health disparities. But not only do our health beliefs and health behaviors contribute contribute to disparities. It is one portion. The larger portion of it relates to prejudice and racism. Race, class, and gender have been found to serve as an important determinant of a person's health and well-being status, which actually affects your perception of illness, your health-seeking behavior, and your accessibility to services and coping mechanisms. So how you perceive what a disease is, is indexed by culture. What we identified as a sickness may differ from what we identify as an illness. And then again, what we identify as a disease, it's all indexed by culture. And so, It's a health belief system that if we believe that we have a disease, we first have to determine what is the origin of this disease from a cultural perspective. Is this from the enemy or this is some from the environment? And I have to make a decision. And sometimes that decision-making about how sick I am gets indexed by my home treatment or treatment that my grandmother passed down not going to the doctor, not going to the emergency room yet. But when we go to the emergency room, we are deadly sick because we have put it off for a very, very, very long time. Actually, African-Americans are the highest users of the emergency room. So the pandemic shines a national spotlight on the social determinants of health that really impacts our health inequity and creates an unequal society 
we live in an unequal society, not only in terms of opportunities, but also access to health care. Health care policymakers and the design, the health system must go beyond collecting data and address the social inequities that contribute to the ongoing problem of health disparities in communities of color. Once again, this has been going on for decades. This is not new information about health disparities. And I'm going to share with you a report that was um, orchestrated or directed by Congress to study health disparities back in the early um, 2002. And the report does yield very clearly that race and ethnicity impacts health decision-making, it impacts access to healthcare. So although, you know, there's been improvement um, uh, in health status among populations in the United States, certain types of improvement and modifications in the domain has been subject to partiality and inequality on the basis of race, education, region, and income. So recent studies have shown that ethnic minorities of the United States have greater rates of morbidity and mortality as compared to their non-minority counterparts. So the report that I'm referring to that was commissioned by Congress is called the Landmark Institute of Medicine, the IOM report, called Unequal Treatment, Confronting Racial and Ethnic Disparities in Healthcare. And it provides compelling evidence in over 600 citations in the literature that there is a constant discrimination on the basis of race and ethnicity in the healthcare domain. In fact, according to the IOM report, the disparities that occur in healthcare domains are on the basis of race and ethnicity. And because of several factors, including social, cultural, genetic, biological, and environmental factors. Actually, there is no supported document that really speaks to genetics, but they threw that in. Research demonstrates that there's a strong relationship between discrimination and disparities on the basis of race and the historical and contemporary social and economic disparities of unfairness. So, for example, it's been found out that minorities that are more likely to get inappropriate cardiac medicine, improper bypass surgery, or getting an organ, organ transplant. Several studies also suggest that racial differences determine the suitability of getting proper cancer diagnostic tests along with its treatment. So who's making these decisions? are the physicians. And, you know, we call this a cultural bias. And in not only is it limited to, to white physicians, but it's also, we have seen it happen with black physicians as well. When decisions are made, whether or not um, you deserve to have a new heart, you refuse to stop smoking, you are obese, you continue to do what you wanna do, and the doctor makes a, a, a clinical decision that you should not be a candidate for the 
transplant. And it, it happens with kidney transplants as well. This is not something that's made up. Um, this report could not even document that if they did not have evidence on how decisions are made based on race and ethnicity regarding your health care. It also stated that minorities tend to receive lower quality of health care than non-minorities. Even when access-related factors, you still you have you have the same access to um, the um, facility than a, a white person does. Um, you have insurance and you have in, income. We call this even though you control for income, regionality, um, age, gender, you still will have poorer health outcomes than anyone else. In fact. As a black female, you live seven years less than a white female, and vice versa for men. In 2050, those statistics will not change. Given all of the advances in medicine, what would account for you to live seven years less than, than, than your counterpart who's white, other than racism? Health disparities reflect the social economic disparities, as I said, in terms of risk factors, bias, um, and prejudice, um, it's noted that African Americans have higher rates of death from various life-threatening diseases, such as brain disease, HIV and AIDS, cancer, heart disease, as compared to other racial minority groups. I know this is a lot of information, and so we're going to take a music station break to listen to a song that I think will set the tone for our further discussion on health disparities. It's called I Can Only Imagine by the Heritage Singers. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. Let's do life together on All About Us Radio. We welcome your questions and comments. Call us at any point during the show on your cell phone, press option one and on the computer, just log in for a chat. Be right back. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes 
the same way that he's brought you from that point 60 years ago, 80 years ago, is how he's going to bring you through this time. And so the governors, the politicians, they are focused on the economy, not your health care. If the economy, if the economy, economy is broken, then the environment will be broken. And so, really, this virus is two things: it's, it's biochemical warfare to destroy the economy of the United States, a broke state or broke country cannot engage in warfare. And so we're actually in spiritual warfare as individuals with the attack of the enemy on our health care, coupled with the fact that for, for centuries we have not been given proper health care and access to health care. So the only thing we know how to do to keep our, our mind focused is to keep our mind stayed on the word of God. I warn and, and, and challenge people who want to go back to life as usual, especially people of color, I will say it's a planned genocide. It is the easiest way to kill you off because you know we want our hairs done. You know we want our hair cut. You know we want our nails done. And so those are the first things that are going to be open. And the little money that they gave people in the stimulus check, that's what you're going to go buy your nails to get done, get your hair done, and, and to get anything else done. And then you'll wind up exposing yourself. Is it a plan? Yeah, it's a plan. So either you understand it and stay home or you challenge it and go out. It's not going to hurt us to, to stay and shelter in a little bit longer. So that's my answer to the question. I hope it addresses it. You know, racial and ethnic minorities frequently experience inferior health outcomes and get low quality health care as compared to their white counterparts, even when income, age, conditions, and status of insurance are similar. So we die younger and at higher rates from almost every type of disease and cause of avoidable death except in the case of suicide, than our white counterparts. But even now, the rate of suicide in, of, of minorities is, is escalating. But everything that we die from is a preventable disease that we have not engaged in prevention around. Again, why? It's a cultural health behavior. According to the research literature, disparities are found to arise from historic and social context in which ethnic and racial minorities receive inferior health care. And as I said, I keep saying this over, it has to do with the social economic disadvantages among minorities and societal discrimination. We are not starting off at the same mark. Listen to this. Minority Americans have, have worse health status, status and more chronic conditions. We have lower rates of insurance coverage and less access to care. Disparities in care are associated with higher mortality among my, minorities. That means we live 
less. And evidence showed that African Americans experienced a disadvantage in health compared to whites. So the bulk of health disparities, it's not due to any biological difference. You don't have a biological difference. According to um, GMO research, genes do not cause health disparities. Society does. If you don't take away anything that I say today, I want you to know that. This is not your genes causing the health disparities. It's society that causes the health disparities based on inequity. And so the report that I gave you, Unequal Access to Healthcare, found out that even when the insurance and income are the same as, as whites, we still receive fewer tests, less sophisticated treatment for a range of ailments, including heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and HIV and AIDS. By stripping away the pretense that the differences can be ex explained by minorities' lack of access to timely care. Um, the report also spurs doctors and patients to question why there are racial disparities are tolerated in medicine. Our mortality and morbidity rates of modern-day Blacks reflect the fact that African Americans have not fully shared in the great advances that have been made in modern medicine and technology. Social demographic differences among racial and ethnic subgroups may explain some of the past differences. However, none of those differences in social demographic indicators associated with health disparities like population density, family income, health insurance coverage, welfare status, educational attainment, your marriage status, employment status, and number of children None of that fully counts for racial and ethnic differences in health outcomes. So what do you have left? When you eliminate all of those possible variables, what's left? Prejudice and racism. And so social class or your status in society, social status, is the single most powerful variable and the strongest predictor of health, disease causation, and longevity. So links between health determinants, including neighborhood context and health, where you live, what your neighborhood looks like, okay, what kind of food is, is available to you? Do you have fresh food in your, in your neighborhood? What's sold? So when you go to a minority neighborhood, you'll see all the fast food restaurants that you won't see in a white neighborhood, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, um, all of the different fast food um, establishments that when you eat those fast food and you already have a predisposition for uh, cardiac failure, hypertension, diabetes, you'll also see liquor stores in our community. Liquor turns into sugar when you drink it. And so you'll see in our neighborhoods, this is the social economic context of health disparities. You'll see factories You'll see a lot of people who have asthma, there is a high re relationship between those with asthma and roach. These are the things that we have to understand contributing to health disparities. So your living environment reflects your quality of housing, 
your air that you breathe in that environment, and the water that you drink from that environment. Do you have access to basic utilities, electricity, gas, and heating? Is the neighborhood facility, the grocery stores, the parks and the libraries, do you have access to that? Is there personal safety in your environment? I haven't even begun to talk about stress, how stress impacts your health. So the health of blacks in slavery was affected by their living, their dietary, and their work conditions. So high mortality rates for blacks were associated with dysentery, typhoid fever, chorea, hepatitis, and worms. And most of these diseases were related to the terrible sanitation condition in most slaves. We're just going to take another music break to listen to a song that will, again, set the tone for further discussion on health disparities. And it's called Pastime Paradise by Stevie Wonder. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Real Brain Talk with Dr. Renee. Let's do life together on live on All About Us Radio. We welcome your questions and comments. Call us at any point during the show. I'll be right back. Protecting ourselves, 
we can get overwhelmed with the number of deaths, um, how many people, and, and oh, I can't even talk about funerals and the lack of them, appropriateness. Well, I may deal with that in the end of the show, but I want to just kind of summarize this for you um, about um, a report that was also developed in 2000. The United States Department of Health and Human Services, they formally acknowledge in the United States that health and healthcare disparities um, in their development of Healthy People 2010. So this is going back to 2000. We are already 2020. And they identified that some of the areas that needed to be addressed is that there was widespread patient-physician communication differences, that the doctors were just not listening to the minority. And a lot of minorities feel that the doctors are, are gods. You have to actually be the advocate of your own health. You know what hurts. You know what this feels like. And unfortunately, there are many people are trying to go to an emergency room saying that they're feeling a certain way and they feel that they have symptoms and are being turned away. You have to be able to voice your concern that this is my life. I am also a taxpayer. This hospital operates on my taxes as well. And unfortunately, because we do not know how to advocate for ourselves health-wise, and that's not traditionally our practice to advocate a self-advocacy that many people have lost, you know, their lives because of this. And minority Americans are more likely to feel treated with disrespect when obtaining health care. And the whole historical thing of, of, of how minorities were used for guinea pigs, for treatment and, and studies. So we're really kind of fearful of the health system, and we don't trust it. And, and there's a gap that has to be closed in disparities. And that many, many people are dissatisfied with their doctors or recognize or respect your sense of belief about what's going on health-wise. So the healthcare system has been unequally distributed and it's disenfranchised individuals who are racially minorities as well as poor. So there's, there's a need to give attention to this matter. And it would influence the broader population in terms of economics. You know, we contribute to the economic health of this country. With all our working in the nursing homes, working in the hospitals, working in the stores, um, and we decide that we're not going to work, I wonder how much those businesses are going to operate. So we, we are dealing with deep stress of working in a race-conscious society and it slowly wears down black people from all walks of life. Fighting stress eventually erodes your health. It's a gradual process that's called weathering. Stress actually shrinks your brain. And the more stressed you are, the more anxiety will elevate. You know that it is expected that minority population would grow at an escalating rate, and if health differences continue to exist, these disparities would allow the economic burden to grow if you take care of everyone the same way. So stay at home, be safe. Um, don't try to re-enter the workplace or 
access the shopping stores. Um, it, it's a form of, of genocide to do so for black folks. I, I saw a post uh, on Facebook. It says when the golf course, the golf course is open, when, when the tanning powers are, parlors are open, and when other things that are frequently visited by white people are open, then that you may be safe to go back. You know, during future shows, we will be speaking about my new book release called <clears throat> Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change Model. It's a faith-based trauma recovery system available now on Amazon. Be sure to purchase the book and the workbook. And some, at some point in time, we'll spend time going through some of the chapters on shame, guilt, and rejection and how to rewire your brain through neuroplasticity and shift from being a victim of trauma to being a victorious warrior, taking up the position that allows you to maximize your potential and to have a global impact in your community and world. You can visit my website at Dr. Renee Charles, that's D-R, Renee, R-E-N-E-E, Charles, C-H-A-R-L-E-S.com, or you may email me with your comments or questions at contact at Dr. Renee D. Charles with a middle D dot com. Join me next week on All About Us Radio on Thursday at 6 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. Um, follow me on Instagram for those of you who have access to Dr. underscore Renee underscore Charles. My Twitter address is at Dr. Renee Charles. And my Facebook address is D-R-R-S-C-P-H-D. That's Dr. Renee D. Charles, Ph.D. So our last musical break song will be um, an ending song, and it's called Simbaltro. It's actually a Brazilian wedding song, and, and I love it. And so I hope you love it, too. Till next time, goodbye. Be safe.
And hello, my name is Dr. Renee Scholz. I am a neuro coach, a mind and brain ambassador, and author of the new book release, Remembering the Trauma and Healing It with the Trauma of Change System Model, which leverages neuroscience and spirituality for trauma healing, deliverance, and recovery. I want to welcome you to my new show, Real Talk with Dr. Renee, where we'll have an authentic dialogue about all things related to the mind, body, and brain connection. During our time together, we'll talk about how to maximize brain potential in your personal and corporate space, develop new mental maps and success strategies to overcome traumas and other life challenges we face every day. I do look forward to talking with you and taking your calls and answering some of the questions as we do life together live on this show. Listen, you may be on the road driving home, sitting at your computer, or on your way to the gym when Real Brain Talk airs. I want you to pace yourself and get in position to optimize your brain. Join me on All About Us Radio on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And follow me on my social media outlets. At Twitter, it's at Dr. Renee Charles. 
Instagram is Dr. Diara underscore Renee underscore Charles. And Facebook is simply at Dr. Dr. R-D-C PhD. You are listening to All About Us Radio. All About Us Radio is sponsored by Roger and Shavonna Johnson and the Whitney E. Johnson Foundation. You can like us on Facebook at All About Us Radio Media Group or follow us on Instagram at CJAAUTV Radio. Also, check out our website at www.wejfoundation.org or give us a call at 631-521-7699. Thank you for tuning in to All About Us Radio.